This is Unfinished Business, a weekly discussion show about the business end of web, design and creative industries. And today is Friday the 22nd of February 2013. This is episode 7. I'm Anna Debenham and I'm joined by my co-host, Ape Fanatic, Andy Clark. James Bond, 007. (laughs) The show wouldn't be possible without our three, yes, three fantastic sponsors, Typecast, Free Agent and the Handheld Conference. With Typecast, you can quickly style type in a browser and check for readability, rendering, and beauty as you work. Free Agent's a web app that helps you with your business accounts, and Handheld is the conference for all things mobile. It's happening in Cardiff in Wales in November 2013. We'll talk more about those later in the show. Hi! Hi! You can find all the links that we mentioned in, in this episode in the show notes. They're at unfinished.bz forward slash seven. So what have you been up to this week, Andy? I've had a nice week, actually. We've been away for a couple of days. We went down to Winchester, which is down south, innit? I was doing a little workshop and a lecture down at Winchester School of Art, which was a really lovely, lovely thing to do. Um, I haven't been inside a, a proper art studio for years. I don't think I've been in one since, since, I, was, since I was a student. And when was that? Uh, 1958. <laughs> Well, that wasn't that long ago. Uh, 85 to 88 was when I was at art school. Wow. You make it sound as if, wow, it's like I'm some kind of fossil that should be discovered. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was nice. Uh, I was doing a workshop in the morning and what was interesting was that the people that were in the workshop were graphic students for the most part and a couple of fine artists, I think. So they weren't actually webby people. So that was interesting because I was talking about this whole kind of designing atmosphere apart from layout thing. You know, it mm. ties in with what you write about style guides and things like that. You're yeah. basically designing the elements of a site and not think about layout until you have to kind of get responsive. Right. So you're talking about kind of responsive design as well? Well, yeah, because, I mean, that's what everybody wants to talk about right now. What was, uh, what was their impression? They really liked it, I think. Because it wasn't technical. Mm. And this, this was interesting because I hadn't realised when I went down there that it was an art school. You know, it wasn't a web design or a new media course or anything like that. It was, they, you know, these were, these were graphic designers. And some of the work they did, I mean, some of the stuff that's around the walls, ah, oh, man, I'm so good. <laughs> so that was really nice. And I get to go into their studios down there. Because apparently, I didn't realise this, but in the 150 years since I was at art school, they've not many, not many schools have studio spaces anymore for students. All right. I didn't realize this, but apparently they can fit more students in if they don't give them any studio space. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was there, we had, you know, you had quite a lot of space, you know, walls and floor space and stuff. And, you know, people basically lived in their studio spaces for years. Yeah. Um, you know, with all the stuff, whereas apparently that's all gone now. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at graphic design courses when I was looking at going to uni a few years ago, and I don't remember seeing any studio space. Yeah, I mean, there were studio spaces at Winchester, and it was really nice because I didn't get to see the painters because the painters were somewhere else. Mm. But I got to go into the printmaking room, which is where, you know, when I was an art student, I spent most of my time in printmaking and photography. So that was nice to see that again. You know, smell ink. Oh, it's mm. lovely. And then we went to go into the, um, went into the sculpture area as well. And that was really nice. That reminded me of some of the crazy things that 
that you know my friends who were sculptors back in the day did mm-hmm. chicken wire and plaster of paris and all that stuff you know it was tin cans it was it was really really nice so i had a good time and then i did a talk in the afternoon uh in this big lecture theater and basically i was just talking about us you know here and and how we got started and some of the things that happened to us along the way and you know some of the kind of life lessons and business lessons of you know running a business from home for 15 years did you get Uh, any questions i did actually yeah and I, you know, because I was talking about Alex, and you know, well, this is the reason why I decided this year I wanted to to do a bit more of the university stuff with students because you know I'm acutely aware that you know Alex is a student, mm. and I would like to think that he gets you know interesting people going in and talking about you know well I don't know, geology, you know, the, the stuff that he talks about. Mm. So one of the questions that somebody asked was, "Did I want?" Would I have wanted Alex to go into the family business? Yeah, do the same thing as me. I yeah. thought that was a really good question. Yeah. What do you say? Well, in some respects, he kind of has because he's a brilliant typographer. Mm. And we've often talked about this. We, he's, he's dyslexic. So, but he's also got this amazing, um, memory for typefaces mm. and he's got this, massive rec- recognition of, of typefaces. You know, he's just got this encyclopedic memory of typefaces. And I think it's probably because he had to spend a long time studying letter forms mm. to kind of understand things. So he's learned that and he's learned this appreciation of typography and he uses that in, you know, in his reports and in his poster designs and in the, the multimedia work that they do there. Because a lot of the stuff that they do, obviously the science, but they have to learn how to present their findings and present their work. Yeah, I mean, and design's all about communicating ideas, so it should help in, in any career. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's nice. I mean, he, I always joke that he has the the best typographically designed essays because <laughs> he's, he's the only guy I know that does his regular essays in InDesign. Oh. <laughs> so, so that was nice. It was very, very nice to do that. And then today... The reason I'm a bit late today is I spent the day at Manchester Metropolitan University, MMU. Were you doing the same fun. thing there? No, they had this really, really nice thing for third years where they had to, the students had to go and research a subject and then produce a piece of work, write about their findings, make a poster, which was, you know, PDF, and then spend three minutes talking about what they'd done Mm. and that was really good they were talking about uh responsive design multi-screen design Um, some of them got technically into things like responsive images Mm. Uh, and it was it was a really really good day and to see these students you know not only producing really nice work but standing up there and talking about it was was really nice to see. I enjoyed that a lot. I remember going to um, there's a school in London, and there were there are these three boys. I think they were fourteen at the time, maybe fourteen, fifteen, and they'd all read Ethan's book on responsive design, and they'd all made responsive websites, and they were just sort of telling me about them, really excited, and that it's just so nice that 
you know, the stuff that we're talking about, they're already learning about. And you just think how good they're going to be in a few years' time. Mm. I mean, it was fascinating because there were some people there that were obviously very knowledgeable about the subject, but weren't terribly confident speakers. Mm. And then on the other side of it, you've got people that were just personalities. You know, they had big personalities. They could, they didn't think it was a problem to stand up there and, and talk about these things. Um, but then not everyone was as knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it just goes to prove how people are packages. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, just because you're knowledgeable about something or you, you know, you're a really good coder or really good designer, standing up there and talking about it is like, that's something else. Yeah. For a lot of people, that's, that's a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I was thinking about this as I was watching everybody, thinking, you know, am I watching another generation of kind of conference speakers? And then I thought, well, you know, maybe. Yeah, there's some, there were some really good people there. Mm. But actually, to be honest, having confidence in presenting an idea or a piece of information is important for every day working anyway. You know, presenting to a client or maybe pitching a job to a client – you know, that kind of presentation skill mm. and getting the practice in like these guys were getting in, I think is really, really important. I remember my time at school was just spending as much effort as I could to get out of those sort of situations. You know, I'd find I'd find excuses not to do it, not to stand up in front of the class. I'd be, um, you know, I'd suggest, oh, why don't we do this as like a as a film? Um, just so that I could be the one holding the camera. Yeah, I think that there was there was a handful of people that had ducked out um, because I don't think they were being marked on this. I think it was more of an exercise, the presentation mm. part, they weren't being marked on. And there were a few people that had ducked out. But what was nice was that it wasn't just the third years who were talking that were there. It was second and first years that had been invited as well. So it was mm. actually a packed lecture theatre. Um, and to get up there and, and, and talk about something in front of your mates is you know, really good. Yeah. Really good. So I kind of just, at the end of each block, because it was broken down into topics, at the end of each block they asked me if I'd, you know, talk about the things that I'd like that I'd heard and seen and, um, you know, add anything. You know, there were some links and uh, other articles that I could point people to. So I'm going to do a blog post probably. I'll do it over the weekend and put it out on Monday or something with a whole load of links. Mm. Um, so hopefully that will help people. But it was fun. I really, really enjoyed this week. It was nice to get out there and get a completely different view of the industry from, you know, where I usually am sitting in my little studio. <laughs> what have you been up to? Um, I've been working frantically on a client site that's going to launch next week. Quite excited, but also extremely nervous about <laughs> there's still a lot to do can you tell us any more about that or is it hush, hush. uh i'll be able to next week i'm sure i can but yeah next week and i'll be able to show it off don't spoil the surprise though. <laughs> yeah no it's been, it's been a good week i'm uh i'm chirpy and chipper and yeah you know, we've been getting some really nice feedback and emails about this podcast yeah i've been i've been really quite humbled by it it's it's nice to see so many people so they find it useful because I just feel like I'm nattering away. I think people will enjoy listening to listening to you natter away. 
I know it's it's just so nice. I mean, it's one of the things that I think I'm proudest of at the moment. Mm. I, you know, I, I look forward to doing it every week. So hopefully that comes across in you know people listening. So you know, last week, yeah, you went on a rant about <laughs> revenge sites. Yeah, took me back a bit actually. Didn't realise you could get so <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I know. So revenge sites and. We were talking about why you shouldn't do them, basically. The sort of client revenge sites, the ones that the freelancers will set up, or they'll, they'll basically hijack their client's site to say, they haven't paid me, you can't have your site now. Mm. Yeah, we were talking specifically about that Fitness F- SF site, mm-hmm. which I don't know, a week later, is it still there? I don't know, I haven't checked. But we got an email from Nick Harris in response to what we were talking about, and he says here, As I understand it, until a design has been paid for, it's the property of the designer. Therefore, they could remove it from the client site until it's been paid for. I would personally never take the site or anything down. If you want to get payment, take it to a small claims court. That way, if you've upheld your end of the contract completely and only the customer is in breach, that leaves them no defense for non-payment. That's wise words, I think, Mm. from Nick there. Yeah, I mean, it. my point of view is don't send anything over until it's been paid for. It is complicated, though, isn't it, when you're working on something and yeah. you know, perhaps... Especially if it's kind of a long-term thing. Well, yeah, and even if you're just building something. I mean, we're on a little project at the moment for a local client, and this coming week we'll start installing Expression Engine on their server and putting some of the templates up mm. and building the thing in the background. Now, okay, it'll be in some development space, but it's hosting that they pay for. Yeah. And they've given us FTP access. It's not like we set the thing up. Yeah. So it's complicated because, yeah, you could say, well, you know, we're not going to put this thing live until you pay, but can you take it back? Mm. And was, was Nick the one who was saying about, well, you know, if, if it's like, if you've done the CSS, just take the CSS file down? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which which I kind of think is I don't know, I'm not mm. I'm still not so sure about that. I think legally and technically he's absolutely right because you know, we put into our contracts, and I think it's in the contract killer as well, that once everything's been paid, copyright is assigned as follows and mm. then there's a bunch of kind of copyright clauses, which I think we should talk about in another show to be honest. Um so it's pretty explicit about the fact that, you know, copyright is ours until it's transferred when things have been paid. Yeah. So I think Nick's absolutely right there. Uh, but he's also right when he says it's important that you uphold your end of the contract. Yeah. Because that's a really, really difficult thing to do sometimes you know you, you you might your first instinct might just be ah take it down yeah yeah but actually the really professional thing to do is to fulfill your end of the bargain yeah say i've fulfilled mine now you have to do yours yeah i mean that's the that's the professional way of dealing with it i think mm. and obviously you know ultimately as has happened to us in the past you know if something goes pear-shaped then, you know, ultimately, you know, it's, it's, we take stuff down, 
you know, we remove sites from servers or if somebody doesn't pay for hosting, you know, things go down. Yeah. But only at the very end when you've exhausted all other possibilities. Yeah. yeah. So, so important to stay professional. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 might, you might take the point of view, well, it's not like they're going to recommend me. But you've got to keep your head held high. You've got to be the one on the one who's basically being the professional. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I think anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you need to do what's absolutely right and, and professional. Um, and, and, and hold your head up, mm. not resort to any kind of unprofessional tactics, I think. So I think that's a good point that Nick made there. Yeah, definitely. It, it had me thinking a lot. I don't, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say, well, this is the right thing to do because every situation is different, but I just think take the higher ground, be the kind of, be the professional person. Yeah. Sean Johnson sent us a, a message on Twitter, which is sort of related to the, the whole kind of revenge site thing. Uh, Sean said, if someone infringes copyright, say they use a, a watermarked image in some marketing materials, is it wrong to publicly out them? Mm. I see a lot of uh, cases where photographers have had their photos just kind of, you know, put in a newspaper without any attribution or anything. And if, you know, they'll often write to the newspaper and the newspaper won't do anything about it. I think that's tricky. Yeah. I, if it were me, if, it, if that were my photo, I'd probably just say something like, Oh, I see you're using my picture. You know, first, first sort of send them a private email. Um, mm. but if it hadn't been responded to or hadn't been acted on, then, then I might, but then that's kind of <laughs> contradicting myself, maybe. Yeah, I mean, again, this is a tricky one because I think the first thing that you need to do, you know, if you've got a problem with somebody or you've got a problem with a company or an organisation, then, you know, that's between you and them. Mm. And, you know, if I have a problem, if you use some work of mine and you don't say anything about it or, you know, you don't attribute me or, you know, there's, there's some kind of disagreement. It's 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 our business. It's not, it's not nobody else's business. Mm. So, I see a lot of... A lot of uh, web designers who have their their CSS files kind of someone someone will take them and apply them to their site, and it'll yeah. look exactly the same. And you know maybe they're a bit concerned that people are going to think it's their site. Oh, I mean, people steal all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I kept I kept a record that there was this thing called Copyscape. It might even still be going, mm. but it, it used Google to. Uh, search the web for people that had stolen your copy on your website. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Oh man, I used to take screenshots of this just, <laughs> just, just, just as, as a reminder because people stole all kinds of stuff. Um, there was one guy that had written my book. <laughs> it was great. There was, there was one company that had Sue's bio on their website and, uh, people, people just steal all kinds of stuff. You are not going to stop that. Um, but what I did, in that situation. And, you know, these were people kind of all over the world, although most of them were in the UK. Um, phone them up. Mm. You know, if I have a problem with you, phone them up. Phone somebody up. It's not hard to get a phone number. Um, pick up the phone and deal with it, you know, person to person. Yeah. Because if you think about it, I mean, I'm just going back to Sean's, um, 
Sean Johnson's tweet here, you know, publicly outing them. Well, that has to be, I think, one of the most unprofessional things that you can do. Because what are you actually achieving? What are you going to do? You're going to shame them? Well, they were pretty shameless before in actually doing what they did, possibly. Mm. Um, and what, you know, all you're doing is reducing yourself to kind of gutter snipe tactics. What if you get a situation where another web designer has taken your, like, CSS file or your design and they've applied it to their client site? You know, they've basically sold them something that they didn't create, that you created. Well, in the old days... <laughs> I have days, seen this before. Yeah, I've seen this before. In the old days, before the web, what would you what would you do about that? You'd, you know, you'd phone somebody up, you'd write somebody a letter. Mm. The problem is between you and the person that has committed the infraction. Yeah. Is that, is that a word? <laughs> I don't I know. Don't know right <laughs> it word, sounds you know, quite good, though. <laughs> it makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about. That's the problem. You've got a problem with somebody, it's between you and them. It's got nobody else's, it's nobody else's business. Um, it's not even the, it's not even up to you to get in touch with that client and say, do you know that Bob sold you a website that's based on my CSS? Mm. It's not your business. Get on with doing what you should be doing, you know, what you're good at. And if you need to take it up with somebody, it's a private matter. Mm. It's between you and them. And if, if, for example, um, they have done something which is illegal. You know, they've infringed your copyright, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, there are, there are channels, as we said last week, there are channels for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and those channels are not to stick something on a blog or stick something on Twitter. That's, you know, it's unprofessional. It's childish. Mm. Anyway, God, blimey, you've got me ranting now. <laughs> it's supposed to be your rant. It's difficult because I can see why people you know, we'll say to turn spur of my mind, oh, someone's stolen my photo or, yeah, I would, I would feel like doing that. And it's just, yeah, probably not the most professional way of doing it. It isn't the most professional way of doing it. It makes you look like a jerk. Mm. But it makes you feel better. (laughs) At what cost? Yeah. You know, the cost of your self-esteem or your pride or your professional standing or whatever, I don't care. It's Mm. just the wrong thing to do. Should we talk about our first sponsor? Yes. I'm really excited, <laughs> really excited about our first sponsor this week. Who I'm, always are they? Really ex- I'm always really excited about our sponsors. It's <laughs> Typecast, the web font service. So I don't know whether you remember this article from a couple of years ago, but Oliver Rischenstein from Information Architects, mm-hmm. he wrote this really interesting article called web design is 95 percent typography do you remember this mm, i don't think i've read this one but yeah, it, it, it sounds familiar i'll put some links in the show notes but i'm not sure whether i agree 95 percent with that but i do know that good typography is essential for great web design so if you've ever tried to simulate web type in photoshop you'll know what a complete and <laughs> utter waste of time that can be because when you set type in Photoshop, it's never precisely what you're going to see when your design reaches a browser because Photoshop can't take into account different rendering engines or operating systems. You know the difference between Macs and PCs? Yeah. Oh, and as well as that, because um, Typecast is something that I've been recommending to designers that I work with, um, when they were creating Photoshop files, they'd be looking at it in Photoshop and they'd send it over to me to... Um, to put the fonts in and it would look completely different on windows on mac you know it would just in the web it looked completely different 
yeah, but exactly. looking at it in in typecast, you see how it's going to look. Well, then you've got the problem of actually designing using web fonts. You know, if you imagine if you want to use a particular typeface from a web font service like Typekit or FontDeck or fonts.com or Google, and you don't have that font installed on your PC and Mac, mm. how, how are you going to design and how are you going to demonstrate those typography options to a client if you can't you know, have a PSD? Well, that's where Typecast comes in because it's a web app that lets you design using over 23,000 web fonts from all the major font services. So it helps you set type in a browser and you can use your own content. That's really important. So you can see exactly how your type is going to render when your design's implemented. That's really good. If you're like me and you design the elements first before you move on to layout, mm. Typecast's perfect for that because you can create styles and you can test type for all kinds of HTML elements. And then you can copy those styles straight into your own style sheet. And Typecast even lets you export a style guide. This is right up your street. Yeah. <laughs> which could be really useful for discussing type choices with clients. And you can even share a special HTML page with them, uh, with your remote clients too, so they can see what you're working on. Typecast's amazing at helping designers create beautiful, readable web typography. There are several different plans available, starting at $29 a month for a personal plan and $59 per month for a team plan up to three people. And there are plans for larger teams too. You can find out more at typecast.com slash unfinished ah oh, good such a good site such a good service i've been playing with it it's so good i feel I mean, like a designer <laughs> <laughs> well between that and grid set yeah these are my two kind of most favorite uh web app tools for designing at the moment the whole kind of creating a style guide thing right up my street yeah i know I was, t- I was teaching um, or telling people about that in the workshop I did this week mm. and giving them links to your uh, style guide collection, that kind of thing. Yay. <laughs> so we've got an email here um, from Caleb. I hope I'm saying this right. Caleb Gittens. Um, in episode four, Total Jerk Loser, you spoke about losing contracts and also losing existing clients. I'd be interested to hear what the process is once a client has decided to leave you. Do you provide them with the design files such as PSDs as well as a full backup of the website? If so, do you charge for it? And is this something that you'd specify in your contract? Ooh, there's a good load of questions there. I do. I do that. I give them everything that that I need. You know, the, to me, it's more important that they can transition to someone else than charging for it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, if if things don't work out, or if you've got a client who maybe wants you know a different designer or different developer, just make it as easy as possible for them to do that. Otherwise, I know you're being a bit of a bit of a jerk. just bury them under the patio (laughs) yeah i mean worst thing i mean most of the time i think yeah most of the time when we lose a client there's very little to actually transition Mm. uh quite often and you know what it's like with with clients and changing their you know the fickle every few years is usually the first thing that we hear about something is 
you know, client phoning up or, you know, new developer or designer phoning up and saying, actually, can you just, you know, repoint the domain name or, yeah. you know, something like that, you know, that, and that's happened a few times. Yeah. It's also happened because, you know, we like clients to look after their own hosting and look after their own kind of DNS and things like that, that sometimes we don't know at all. We don't know until we just happen to kind of glance across the site and go, that's not one we did. <laughs> that's happened a couple of times as well. But what I suppose what we tend to do is we, and this, this is written into the contract actually, is that at the end of the design phase or, you know, when the site goes live, we will zip everything up mm. and give it, give a copy to the client and say, you know, this is yours and keep it backed up. Keep this somewhere safe. Yeah. Uh, and I think it says in our contract that we're not actually responsible for, for you know, any, any, any future backup of that. Yeah. Yeah. So mine as well, because I cribbed it off yours. I mean, as it happens, I'm sitting next to a really noisy, lacy raid drive that I have to turn off when we do the show because <laughs> it sounds like an airplane taking off. Um, and that actually has got backups of every single job that we've ever done on it. Mm. But you, know, you don't really, want to rely on that. You don't want. Oh no! If that disappeared, you wouldn't want a client relying on your backup. Well, no, exactly. Um, and I suppose actually that I should have like an online. I should have a local backup here, but I should have a, an online backup somewhere of it as well. Mm. But it's massive. It's like a terabyte or something. I don't know how the heck I could get that up to up to Dropbox. So I think the safest thing is to give it to the client and let them be responsible for it. Yeah. The way and I see I it, it you, if you're creating work for them, then give them the whole thing. Don't sort of hold back as otherwise you, what's the point in doing all that work? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not precious about that kind of stuff. You know, I'm quite happy to give people the, the files and if they can use them at some point later on, then, you know, then they've got them. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with like logos, logo designs. I remember, oh man, this is back in, back when we really first started and we had this uh, logo that actually was based on something that Alex had drawn. It was a cow because <laughs> we worked in a cow shed and we had this logo made up so we could have it printed on business cards and, you know, some other kind of marketing stuff. And the local print design shop that did the rendering of that, you know, they did the vectorizing of, is that mm. a word? Vectorizing. Uh, Victor, yes, Victor, yeah. they, they made it into a, an illustrator file, basically. And they wouldn't give us the file. Hmm. You know, we got business cards printed and we got some other stuff printed. And when we went back to them and said, actually, we'd like to go and get a big poster made or something, they went, oh, no, we'll just send you a, you know, like a big high-res JPEG. They wouldn't give us the illustrator file. Is that so that you couldn't go to someone else? Yeah, basically. And that, that, that just gets you people's backup. Mm. So I'm not precious about that. I mean, we've got this job at the moment. We've created a new logo for this local client that we're working with. And, you know, they can have it. They can have it in every format they like. I mean, mm. what, what good is it to me just kind of holding on to that stuff? I like to document everything that I'm doing just in case, you know, someone has someone else has to work on, on my code. So, like, I'm, I'll make a, a sort of code style guide. Um, I have lots of comments. And it, even if it's just me working on it, I always think, well, maybe at some point someone else is going to have to look at this. And I don't want to be, I, I work on so many other people's code, like really old code. And it, it, 
I don't I don't want people to think of me of that, of that person. Oh god, this code's terrible. It's like I don't know what's going on here. It's just I, I think it's better to to document as you go and um just hand as much as you can over. Mm. I mean, years ago, we did some stupid things years ago. We used to um when we finished a project, we used to burn all of the site files, all of the the all of the material we used to burn onto a DVD or a CD-ROM or something. Mm. And we even bought uh, a load of kind of those like DVD boxes, you know, the kind of the plastic clippy things. Mm. And we printed yeah. out um, sleeves oh, you know, to make it look really – yeah, we, we, we did. We made it like, you know, with our branding and, you know, we'd make a big deal about saying to the client, you know, oh, and here's your thing, on, you know, here's all your stuff. And we made little kind of readme files in HTML and there was links about SEO and God knows all this kind of stuff mm. in it. kind of like, you know, so that we had something to hand over because, you know, back in the day, yeah, it was new to a lot of people and – they think, well, you know, I've paid for a website and I can see it in my browser, but what else do I get? Yeah. So we thought that it was a, we thought it was a good idea to, you know, add that, add a bit of value by, by doing that. I wouldn't do it now because <laughs> it's, you know, sounds a bit, sounds a bit cheesy. Something I do is, um, I create like a, a kind of a single page with just links to all of the templates I've done and, and all of the, the kind of resources. It's something that Clear Left, um, they do and, um, sort of I stumbled on it when I was working there. Like it's a kind of a big client handoff web page. Um, and it's got, you know, links to the style guys, links to the, the documentation on how they've written the code. And it's just, it's so nice to have that because, you know, I think it will reduce, um, times when the client phones up and says, Oh, um, quick question. How did you do this? Or I, I just think it's, it's a nice thing to, to have when you hand over a project. Yeah, and do you know what? That, I hadn't heard of that before, but it reminds me of what we were talking about last week in terms of like designing your own user experience. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, if you've got something at the end that you can give to somebody as well as an invoice. Yeah. I like that idea. We should think about that. I'll uh, I'll maybe blog about it because yeah, it's in my um, I think it's in my style guide article on Twenty Four Ways, and I talk a bit about um sort of how Clearleft do their pattern portfolios and things. And and I think there's a screenshot in there of um their kind of client handover template. Maybe not, but yeah, I should I should write about it. I mean actually you could do something with your own branding and exactly. it could be a really nice kind of HTML. That's what CSS that's what Clearleft have. They have just a really nice kind of branded Clearleft page and they have a list of all the people who worked on it as well and email addresses. It's really nice. I'll I'll ask them to Make that public if they if they haven't already. Yeah, no, that's really good. It reminds me of that um, humans.txt thing that yeah. you sometimes see in boilerplates. Yeah, it's a lot like that. We fill that thing in. I don't. I need to. <laughs> yeah, just just because it came part of the is it the HTML5 boilerplate? Yeah, yeah. But I think from a client point of view, you know, if some and get back to Caleb's question, it's. You know, if somebody has decided that they want to move on, um, how do you handle that? And I suppose what you said was, was the best thing, which is, you know, just don't be a jerk about it. Mm. And kind of prepare for it as well. It's, it's something that inevitably happens. At least like at the end of a project, 
maybe they come back to you in a few months time they want some more work doing but you've you're just fully booked you know it's make it easy for them to to work with someone else i think it just leaves a good impression i used to get really defensive or take it really personally when people moved on to be honest um i used to think to myself well god Andy, you know you've you've done the best that you can mm-hmm. and the site was a success you know what what could they possibly have to complain about yeah um and then i suppose as i've got older and you know we've won lots and lost lots that it's just kind of human nature isn't it yeah. and you know there's a really nice cafe bar food place opened up at the top of prestat in our local town and we went there for a bit when we opened and it was really nice we got on with the owners and it was a you know really nice place to hang out and when i was when i stopped smoking to get me out of the house where i was you know that's where i smoked mm. to change a bit of a change of scene i would go down there and i would spend time in you know even during the weekdays afternoons you know mm. they had wi-fi and i'd go work there and it was great and we ate there a couple of times and you know, then the menu wasn't as good and it didn't change. And, you know, you, you, you're fickle and you want to go somewhere else. Yeah. And you discover the next thing. And that's, it's fine. People change their mind. It should be allowed. Yeah. I had a, I had a pub, sound kind of, sounds kind of similar, um, where the owners changed, you know, they changed hands and they wanted to work with their own developer. And, you know, it was fine. I just sent them an email with kind of all of the stuff in it, um, all of the kind of, all the details I needed. And you, you can't really do anything about that. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't charge for that. No, I, I, no we've never charged for it either. Um, Sometimes it can be a lot of work, but, it, you know, if, especially if they don't really know what they're doing. Um, we did this thing because we are, I mean, there's only, I think, a handful, a handful of clients left now on on a server that we have. But we are so desperate to get these sites off onto servers that the client controls yeah so anyway recently we've sent out a letter to say listen you know in three months time we're going to be shutting this server down that gives you time to find something else and here's some simple instructions about you know how you can rehost your site yeah and you know we're not going to charge you for hosting anymore you know whatever you've paid you've paid and if and we'll, we'll give you, we'll give you a backup of all the site files, a backup of the database. We'll give you full instructions about how to move it. And, you know, it's yours, you know, with our pleasure. Um, if you want us to reinstall it on another server, then there'll be a charge. Yeah. Because then they can choose for either us to do it. Or maybe they've got an in-house guy now. Maybe they've got somebody else that they want to use that could do it. This happened a couple of times. You know, people go, actually, you know what? No, we'll just take care of it. Thank you very much. Mm. And funnily enough, the guy that did that is in next week having some more design work done. Oh, nice. So it's not as if, you know, it's not as if that was the end of the relationship. And people used to go, oh, hosting's good because, you know, it keeps people coming back to you year on year. Yeah, it's, an, it's a passive income. Or, yeah. I, I can't. I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made when I started freelancing was, was trying to manage hosting. Definitely definitely a bad move i think unless you're a kind of a sysadmin person unless you really know what you're doing don't don't do that (laughs) well this whole thing about spinning plates and doing different jobs Mm -hmm. is something i want to talk about in a minute we've got another question but but i I want to do my my sponsor you should talk about free agent yeah favorite are you using it yet 
No, not yet, <laughs> but never say never again. <laughs> so FreeAgent is a web app that helps you manage your expenses and invoices, and it's built by a lovely team up in Edinburgh. So when you import your bank statements into the app and explain the business transactions, it helps you work out how much tax you owe. And it also has loads of really handy features, like you can create estimates and invoices, and you can customise these using CSS. Um, I get it to automatically send a reminder email to a client if an invoice goes overdue. And you can also get it to send a thank you email when you've been paid. And if you look at uh, last week's show notes, um, you'll see Cole Henley. He's got a really nice kind of um, thank you email and also a nice sort of pestering email with a picture of his kids in it. So it has a dashboard that shows a graph with real-time cash flow. Uh, so when money is due to come in, I know how much is due to come in and when, and also how much I've got going out and um, whether I'm making a profit. And there's a new feature I've been trying out um, called automatic bank feeds. And what this does is it, it pulls in your bank statements every day and gives you a kind of snapshot of your of your money and your statements. And it, you can also get it to um, automatically explain those transactions so you don't have to go in and, and sort of type them all in. You can use FreeAgent on your mobile, tablet or laptop. Um, so I fill my timesheet in and expenses on the app and the train every week and it works out how much I need to invoice. And they've worked really hard to make this experience as easy, painless and beautifully designed as possible. I've set up special access within the app for my accountant, so he sees all the information he needs, and he says that he really likes it too. You can also set up an unlimited number of users for each account and choose what permissions and access you give them. So if you've got employees, you can set them up with access and they can fill in their timesheets. All data is backed up several, uh, several times an hour to a secure server so your data is safe. And FreeAgent used 256-bit SSL technology to encrypt your data, which is the same encryption standard as banks. And the best bit is they have a team of dedicated in-house support accountants who you can call or email if you have a question about using FreeAgent. And the team hosts these regular individual getting started sessions to make sure that you, you're all set up correctly, as well as a series of webinars that take you through an introduction to FreeAgent and walk you through all the features. And they've got a 30, uh, free 30-day trial, so give it a go. And you don't need a credit card or anything, and you can cancel any time. Um, so let them know we sent you at www.freeagent.com forward slash un- unfinished business. And that's all one word. I mean, I'm not being Dr. No. I just haven't got around to this yet. <laughs> I'm going to keep pestering you. It scares the living daylights out of me trying to, um, you know, thinking about shifting away from our kind of creaky old account system. But I know, <laughs> I know I have to do it one day. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow never dies. Um, I know. And it does sound great. It's really nice. It's really pretty. I know. And you don't <laughs> need to convince me. It's just getting around to it. And, 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 and we will. We will. We'll take a look. We got an email here from James Abbott. Uh, do you really think that a single designer can manage client work and client acquisition and care at the same time. To me, it sounds like a tough gig. The more I work on my business, the more I realize that marketing is a full-time dedicated role. Hmm. Hmm. I get what he's talking about there, though, because we did this for years. Yeah. And it is difficult because I remember what used to happen was you think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to have a, a barren period. So I'm going to start queuing up some work. I'm going to go out looking for it. Mm. And 
you know, it's like you go and speak to people, you go and have meetings, the work kind of looks like it's going to come up, you do quotations, um, and you send it out there thinking, well, I've just pitched on three things. I hope one of them will come off. Um, of course, what usually happens is that all three come off. Yeah. And they all want to start at the same time. And then you go, ah. <laughs> and yeah, that's never very good. And then what happens is, is that you do all of that work and then you get to the end of it and you go, I need some more work now. And then you go through the whole thing again. It's like feast and famine. Have I mean, you, our, have you our cash that? flow looked like a camel's back. You know, it's like up, down, up, down. Um, and that we had to work quite hard on. Have you heard that poem called uh, Bloody Men Are Like Bloody Buses? No, but you're going to read it to me, are you? Yeah, it's good. Go on. Bloody men are like bloody buses. You wait for about a year, and as soon as one approaches your stop, two or three others appear. Hey, it goes on, but I like that, because I think it's it's like projects. You get a barren period, and you freak out, and you're like, oh, I need some work. And then suddenly all of these really good projects pop up and you don't know what to do. Yeah. And, you know, I think I said this before, not having anything to do is bad, <laughs> but having way too much to do. That's just as bad. Yeah. Sometimes it's actually worse. Mm. So it is difficult. It really is difficult. I sympathize with James here because particularly when you're running a small business and, you know, that can include a freelancer. Actually planning things, um, can be a full time job. Yeah. And, you know, it is tough for, you know, for a one guy to do all of that stuff. But then you think to yourself, actually, you know, who's the best person to talk to the client about their project? Well, it's you, isn't it? Mm. It's not like a sales guy. You don't want to be the kind of company that has a salesman that, that, you know, potentially goes out there that's, you know, not, going to talk about the job in the way that you can talk about it now i like to think that people that work with us work with us because they kind of you know they're like us yeah um so i don't want to put that kind of distance between what goes on here and the client yeah i certainly feel a lot like maybe it's just the clients i work with but we're on the same level we're not kind of i'm not i'm not kind of running around doing things for the client we're working together we're doing kind of we we've got the same goals do you find that mm. i think it, it does depend a lot on the on the client and the project but you're kind of you're i mean as a, as a freelancer you, you do a lot you wear a lot of hats you you have to be a consultant you have to be a designer if you're a designer or a developer if you're a developer um, but you also have to do all of the kind of admin round it. You have to be good at bookkeeping. It's a lot of, a lot of, uh, spinning plates, but you get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it is how we did this. You know, we did this for years. Uh, and I, you know, we're still learning about the best way of doing things. Uh, I, I kind of touched on a little bit of this with this, uh, interviewee thing that I did for .NET magazine which mm. I think you told me earlier on is just out, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. I've got it on my desk. I haven't had a copy, an actual paper copy of .NET for ages. <laughs> but that's the sort of thing that I was talking about in there, really, this kind of work-life balance thing. And one of the things that it took us a long time 
to do was to kind of see patterns in the business, um, which is why we went through all of those years of kind of feast and famine. What and, do you mean by patterns? Well, the patterns as in, you know, there's always a generally a, a kind of a specific set of period of time before, you know, initial client contact, doing quotations, possibly getting confirmation of the work. You know, it's all about the time that it takes to go from kind of an initial inquiry to actually starting and then finishing a job. Mm. And you'll know um, from experience, you know, how long that that is generally going to take. And then you'll, you'll also figure out that there are periods of the year where you're going to be quiet. You know, so don't worry about August or don't worry about, you know, December, for example. Mm. Um, if that's a period that is generally going to be quiet for you. Or the other thing for a lot of companies that do kind of, you know, government work or whatever, um, they get really, really busy in kind of February and March because, you know, they need to spend the money before the, before the 1st of April in mm. a new financial year. So look for those patterns in the business. And, you know, if you understand what those patterns are, then you won't be tempted to always be hungry and just take on everything that comes along. Yeah. Because, you know, that's the thing that will drive you into an early grave. And, and of course, you'll be um, generating a, a kind of cash reserve for, yeah. that, for that sort of time. Yeah. And, you know, if there are quiet periods, then, you know, do something to fill the gap. Mm. You know, I've been talking about this a lot recently, but work on your business. It's just as important to work on your business as it is to work on a client's business. What sort of work might that involve? Well, designing... Uh, you know, designing your sales process. We've been putting together some uh, new PDFs about the training work that we do. Yeah. Um, and trying to get a little more professional about the, the paperwork that we generate and, you know, how we describe things and what does the first email from a client uh, you know, to a client involve and include. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, thinking about designing your own user experience and your own business stuff as well as you would do the, the client stuff. Something I learned quite early on was if you're, if you find yourself without work for say there's a gap, like a two week period or even, even a few days, like just don't spend that time sitting in front of the TV, use that time effectively, you know, use it as a, as a time to, to write blog posts or um, do some research into something you're interested in treat those days as as proper work days um i think because it really helps further down the line you know sometimes i do not know where people find the time though yeah you know i look at people oh, maybe i used to be like this when i was younger but i look at people that are out there you know blogging stuff and brad writing frost. about what they're doing <laughs> brad frost brad frost is one or i know chris coy i think css tricks oh, is yeah. chris coy's yeah business now so you know he's a publisher of this kind of stuff but you know how people find the time to be doing client work and writing talks and, and blogging about this stuff it's and doing you know and doing everything else on top and having the energy to do that i mean some days i just want to stop and play games i don't i don't want to look at the web <laughs> well no i think it's important that you do that you know going out for a walk yeah so i think you know, in answer to James's question, yeah, it's, it's tough. And I think that you, a single designer can manage these things. And I think actually you're the best person to do, 
to, to be managing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, it's not easy. Um, and I don't think that necessarily as a, you know, one or two person company, you need a dedicated marketing person or, or salesperson. You just have to know. Unless it's something that you just can't stand or, you know, you, you don't enjoy it. I know some people who kind of, who just hate that side of freelancing. And it's like with accountants, you know, you outsource an accountant because you don't want to do the accountancy. Yeah, but I think that talking to clients, you know, potential ones and existing ones is, is part of the job. Mm. And we used to work years ago. We used to work with a design agency locally and they had a sales guy. Yeah. And he was the guy that we dealt with. And, you know, the sales guy needed to do one thing, which was to sell. And, you know, his income was based on commission and percentages and stuff like that. So that was his objective. Yeah. And sometimes he would sell things that, that you just you can't know, do. That you just can't do. Or they would enter, you know, or he would always say yes to the client when actually yes was the wrong answer. Yeah. Um, and that just makes life difficult. Yeah. So I feel uncomfortable about putting that kind of barrier between, you know, the people that are doing the work and the people that are buying it. I know a few people who, um, mainly contractors who use like a recruitment agency just to find them work. And that can be quite effective if you just can't stand doing, you know, finding work. There are lots of recruitment agencies who will say, this place needs a contractor for this many days. Can you do it? Can you start tomorrow? I I don't know why we don't do this in web design. Well, maybe we do. Maybe I'm just not aware of it. But we know when I used to deal with photographers back in the day, photographers had agents. Yeah. You know, in the same way that an actor has an agent. Um, Illustrators have agents. You know, when I was hunting around for illustrators to do my crazy scooter guys mm. you know i'd find lots of websites and on there would be you know for inquiries contact my agent um but I, do, do we have agents for web designers i've not I think seen they're one called recruiters <laughs> is that what it is and you know i suppose having an intermediary and somebody that knows you and your work and what kind of work that you would like to do like the photographers did yeah that could be a good idea because, you know, you're not going to get stuff then that's not appropriate. You know, you're not going to, if you're a fashion photographer, you're not going to get work that's shooting a car. Don't know. I've never, I've, first time I've really thought about that. We've got another sponsor, haven't we? Yeah, we've got another sponsor. Handheld Conference. So Handheld is the conference for all things mobile. And it's happening in Cardiff in Wales in November 2013. And oh, this looks good. This looks really good. You can expect some great talks covering responsive web and mobile design on one of Europe's biggest stages. This is a great building. It's the Wales Millennium Centre in Cardiff Bay. What a Ooh. venue. Well, I know. What a venue. This year's speakers include Jeffrey Zeldman, Sarah Parmenter, Mark Bolton, Jeremy Keith, Dan Rubin, Naomi Atkinson, Eddie Muchado. I hope I said that correctly. Sid Lawrence. And, wait for this, Ling of Ling Cars fame. <laughs> Can't wait for this. They've even persuaded the icon master himself, John Hicks, to get up on stage. John doesn't talk very often. This is a real, a real coup to get John I wonder to do how this. they manage that. I don't know. I don't Probably know. Probably broken with cheese. Cheese, dancing girls, large amounts of money. I don't know. Um, do you know what? This isn't just going to be a conference. It's going to be a show. 
They're going to have live music, I think, between the, the speakers, and it's just going to be awesome. Tickets are on sale on Wednesday, the 28th of February, for people who have signed up to the mailing list. And if you're not on the list, <laughs> why? What's up with you? If you're not on the list, tickets are available to everyone on St. David's Day, March the 1st. That's a good day to do it. So the first 150 tickets are available at a special price of just £99. That's good value, that is. And after that, there are £139, which is still great value. And our listeners, our listeners can get 10% off that price with a yes. promo code. They can. It's our first <laughs> promo code, UNFINISHEDBZ. Or unfinished BZ. I would hope that people from outside the UK are going to be coming to this conference. It's going to be great. Last year's event sold out in a matter of days. So get your skates on uh, and get your ticket by going over to handheldconf.com. I'm going to get a ticket. Yep, we should. I'm so glad they're selling them on, on Wednesday because um, I'm actually speaking at a conference on the 1st and I was thinking, oh, but I want to get a ticket and everyone else is going to buy one and then there's going to be none left. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm thinking about going down. I think it's the week of my birthday. So there'll be kind of double celebrations. Have you been on, um, the Ling's car website? <laughs> <laughs> Not for a while. And let me pull it up now. This is okay. Any of our, any of our listeners who are at a computer right now, uh, go to lingscars.com. That's L I N G S C A R S dot com. Um, and just to warn you, it does have background music. I've got my volume turned down. I, I've got my headphones in. For this, so let's have a look. Oh. That's a horse. <laughs> All my cars are guaranteed 100% horse meat free. How do I make the sound stop? <laughs> Just turn your volume I down. I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this... This is so funny. Jesus. She's hysterical. Uh, uh. This is just the best website in the world. This is so... I love this. I mean, I I know she was on Dragon's Den, but I remember sitting in the audience at an event apart and Jared Spool has talked about Ling's cars quite a lot. Yeah. And, you know, whenever there was a conference going on and Jared was speaking and mentioning this, you know, she would be tweeting in. That's it, yeah. Uh, so nice, so cool. <laughs> I, I love this. And she asked, um, she asked Andy Budd, oh, does, uh, is Zelman, this Zelman man, is he quite clever? Cause I'm going to meet him and I'm wondering if I should dumb myself down. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. This is this is really really good. I really hope they they don't sell out too quickly because I want a ticket. <laughs> page just goes on forever. Ah <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. And there's a picture of her with I launch a nuclear rocket into the UK car leasing industry. She's got this kind of. <laughs> She's actually got that. She's got, she owns like a tank, and she just drives it around. I know. This, this is going to be great. It's such a good lineup for this conference and having Ling there is just, it's, it's the, the icing on the cake. It's the absolute icing on the cake. It's more than the icing. It's like hundreds and thousands on top of the icing. And then those little kind of sprinkly like, bits. Yeah. And, uh, what are those ball bearings that you can eat? Oh, I don't like those. Oh, <laughs> cause they look like ball bearings. Yeah. Do you know what? Americans have no idea what hundreds and thousands are. <gasps> 
They call them. What do they call them? They call them sprinkles or something like that. Sprinkles. I know it's not the same. So yeah, Link's cars. That's going to be funny. I I just can't wait for this. We should button it up. (laughs) We should button it up. (laughs) So you can email me at he has at unfinished dot bz or bz. And Anna at she has at unfinished.bz, or you can email both of us at they have at unfinished.bz. And you can find all the links we mention in this episode in the show notes. That's unfinished.bz slash seven. That's the number seven. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Thanks again to our fantastic sponsors this week, Typecast, Free Agent, and Handheld Conference. With Typecast, you can quickly style type in the browser and check for readability, rendering and beauty as you work. Find out more about Typecast at typecast.com forward slash unfinished. Handheld is a conference for all things mobile and tickets are on sale now at handheldconf.com. And let's not forget Free Agent, your favourite, the web app that helps you with your business accounts. Find out more about them at freeagent.com slash unfinished business. See you next week. See you next week. talk about movies have you got a movie i tell you what, what's your favorite movie of all time have you got one um oh that's a really difficult question let me i'll just look at my list i've got a list of my favorite films <laughs> you're so organized you have a list of your favorite films what was yeah, that in case you forget don't you <laughs> oh no i have a list oh, of my favorite albums three pages oh, of my favorite favorites films. can you have 177. You can't have 177 favourites. <laughs> I do. That's not narrowing it down. <laughs> I'm using um, letterboxd.com. Okay. Yeah. You need to send me a link to that. I might sign up to that. I already sent you a link before we started. Oh, okay. I need to click on the link that you sent me. <laughs> Actually, it must have gone into spam. I can't seem to see it. No, it's not there. I really like um, Lost in Translation. Right. What I about don't think you? I've seen that. I have not seen that. My favourite film of all it is time is a Planet of the Apes film. It really isn't. <laughs> my favourite film of all time, actually, Planet of the Apes is not even in my top ten. Can you believe that? Wow. I'm, I know it's. I'm. It's, well, it might be in the top ten. It's certainly not in the top five. My favourite movie of all time um, is Gone with the Wind. That's a long film. I fell asleep watching that. Oh, it's a long but good film. So I think in the top five there would be Gone with Wind, Dr. Shivago. You ever seen that? Yeah, no, no, I haven't. I, I saw a TV series of it. Yeah, no, the TV series is. I think it might have Kira Knightley in it or something. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, rubbish, rubbish. <laughs> you got to watch. 
you got to watch the original, um, the original movie, David Lean movie. It's so good. And it's got Omar Sharif and Alec Guinness and Julie Christie, who Google Julie Christie. She has the most beautiful eyes in the world, apart from my dear wife who's sitting behind me. She is, oh man, she's got beautiful eyes. Beautiful eyes. So yeah, Dr. Shivago. And then, what else do I like? The original Total Recall? Yes. Yeah, that's probably like that. one of mine. I'm just flicking through my iTunes, seeing what else is jumping out at me. Yeah, being there. Have you ever seen this movie? We should watch this. I should send you a gift certificate thing to this. No. Okay, it's Peter Sellers' last film. And, you know, Peter Sellers from the Pink Panther movies? Uh, might be a bit. Okay. Peter Sellers, brilliant comic actor, genius man. Was in uh, Doctor Strangelove? Yeah, I've seen half of that. <laughs> right, well, anyway, that's Peter Sellers. And this was his last film, and I won't give it away, but he plays this gardener. Um, who accidentally almost becomes president of the United States. And it's just a beautiful kind of little quiet movie. Um, yeah, we'll have to watch Being There. That's so nice. That's my tummy. <laughs> There's another one. Um, Somewhere in Time. I like this film. Uh, it's Christopher Reeve. And what type of film is it? It's actually a romance. Can you um... believe that? Yeah, so I, I like films that don't have apes in it and, you know, machine guns as well. I only like films that have explosions in them. Okay, well, there's no explosions in that, so moving swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no explosions in being there either. You can't just like explosive movies. Mostly. Do you like war films? Yeah. Yeah, like Jarhead and... Uh, uh, what's that one? Platoon. I've seen Saving that, Private Ryan. Yeah. Do you like westerns? No, except for the one with the robots. Okay. Westworld. Yep. Not and exactly. Trigon, which is kind of a western, but it's a space western. Okay. Westerns are good. I like westerns. Um, what else have I seen? I was going to go and see Die Hard, the new one, at the cinema, but it's got... The most terrible reviews. I don't think I'm going to bother. Have you seen the new title recall? Yes, and I didn't like it. I saw it last week, I think. And I didn't think it was that bad. I heard it was going to be really, really bad. But I thought, you know, I liked it as a kind of, as a completely different film. But it, I missed, I missed Arnie. Yeah, it just didn't kind of make any sense. I didn't know why it was made apart from just to... Yeah you know, make a film called Total Recall. Now you need to watch the old Total Recall with the director's commentary because it's really funny. Mm. Actually, I'll send you I'll send you a link, which is just the director's commentary, or like the best bits. Have we talked about old sci-fi movies yet? No. Mm, we should look at that. Do you like sci-fi? Yeah. So there's there was a whole kind of genre of sci-fi movies in the, you know, late 1940s, 50s, early 60s, because of, you know, fear of radiation and fear of, you know, the Russians, um, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. So that's when you got 
you know, some really, really good sci-fi movies like The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, yeah. I mean, not not the kind of horrible Keanu Reeves one, but, you know, like the proper 1950s one. Oh, I've only seen the horrible one. I oh, know you should you should watch some um some of the original stuff. And there's a movie called The Day the Earth Caught Fire. <laughs> that sounds rubbish. Do you know what? It's actually really really good. Um basically the premise is that you've got this is when, you know, the Russians and the Americans were doing lots of nuclear bomb tests mm-hmm. and the Russians detonated a nuclear test in Siberia at the same time as the Americans detonated one I don't know, Antarctica or somewhere around the world, you know, South Pacific or somewhere like that. Yeah. And what it did was it knocked Earth off its axis. <laughs> um, and this completely... doesn't sound scientifically no, it's, it, no, but it, it's good. And what it is, is it's, it's not one of these kind of like big disaster movies. It's, it's set in England, in London, and it's all around, um, a newspaper reporter, uh, um, who is it? Edward Judd, the actor. And, so you never see any kind of, you know, big explosions or anything like that. It's all just about one guy and what happens around him when the earth starts to heat up and, you know, the water disappears and the weather changes. And, and it's a really, really good film. It's black and white. Really, really good film. Hmm. Day the Earth Caught Fire. I should put a link in the show notes to that. Another one I like, um, which you should watch if you haven't, is Nikita. No, I've not seen that. It's a French film about um kind of a secret agent. Um Oh, it's really good. You have to watch it. It's a really good soundtrack. Love it. Angel Heart? Mickey Rook? Nope. Oh, that's a good movie. It's a bit dark, a bit grim. But it's about this uh detective who played by Mickey Rook. This was before this is Mickey Rook before he wanted to become a boxer and then had lots of surgery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, He's, he's gorgeous, you know, young Mickey Rourke in this really, really, really cool guy. And, you know, he's a kind of a fifties detective in America. So in the South, so the costumes are really good. And, um, he's a great detective. And then he gets hired by Robert De Niro to find a singer. And that's all I'm going to tell you because mm. otherwise it will spoil it. And such a good film, Angel Heart. We need to queue a few of these things up. Yeah. Yeah, if you get onto Letterboxd. Okay. I'll have a look and we'll sign up for that. I'll make a watch list. Yes, we should definitely do that. And do a kind of, I don't know, a little bit of a director's commentary thing or... Yeah. I don't know, some little review or something at the end, I don't know. 